things happening, and it's hard to get one Sunday after another after another consistency, but last week when we took a break from Romans, uh, excuse me, we took a break because of our Romans rally through the book of Philippians. But if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13. Just take out those message notes and follow along. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And we'll also look at verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Philippian church. Remember, he's in jail, he's in prison. And uh, notice what he says to them. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For notice, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Let's repeat that one more time. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Let's say it together. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. There's that word content again. He repeats it. That's important. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now, let's skip down to verse 19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning asking today, this Memorial Day weekend, 2014, that you'd help me to apply this word to where we're at in our lives. Simple biblical truths that are profound, that transform and change lives when put into practice. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I heard a story this last week. I heard about a minister. There was a minister that was walking down a street when all of a sudden he saw a group of boys surrounding a dog. He saw this group of boys and they were surrounding a dog. And he asked them what they were doing. And they explained to him that they were having a contest. They were having a contest. And whoever told the biggest lie got to take the dog home with them. Now the minister launched into a ten-minute sermon starting off with, Don't you know that lying is a sin? And he ended with, when I was your age, I never ever told a lie. There was a minute of silence. Just when he thought he got through to them, the youngest boy said, All right, give him the dog. (laughs) Give him the dog. Ever told a lie? (laughs) All of us have. We've told lies. Unfortunately, we all have. But when it comes to the subject of contentment, I wonder how many of us put on a brave face, but we really are discontented in our life. I just wonder about that sometimes. Many people, I believe, pretend that they have deep down contentment, but it may not be true according to to what we understand what contentment is in this particular passage of Scripture this morning. 
A number of years ago, uh, this is going to date us, but how many of you remember that rock and roll person with those pouty lips and that shaggy hair hugging a microphone singing, I can't get no satisfaction? Now, some of you are going, yes, yes, yes. That fellow was uh, Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. I think that that song, unfortunately, is still a common complaint. Because I know there are people and there are individuals that are often very, very unhappy and very, very unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Now, if you were to believe the commercials, if you were to believe the commercials, what they tell you, you would, be, you would believe that contentment is something that is sprayed on, that is rolled on, that is inhaled, or that is eaten, or that is driven. And, but that's not true, because true contentment is not based upon outward circumstances, is not based upon what's happening out here in our life. It isn't. It is not. What is the secret of a satisfying, contented life? Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. One more time, look at it with me. I have learned, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every, any and every situation that I find myself in. Now, what is contentment then, according to what we read right here? Contentment is not apathy. Contentment is not laziness. Contentment is not the absence of having goals in our lives. Contentment is independent of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we find ourselves often in a lot of trying circumstances. And unfortunately, sometimes those trying circumstances take away the, the, the contentment that we have inside of us. Paul says contentment is something that you learn. This is what he says. He said, I have learned. How do you learn contentment? By going through peaceful times, by going through times where there's no trials or no difficulties? Absolutely not. He said, I learned contentment by going through the difficulties of life. I believe right here in this particular passage of Scripture that Paul gives us uh, four lessons you might want to say on how to have contentment in our lives. And I think the first one is very, very simple. In order to have contentment, we have to learn to avoid comparisons. We have to learn to avoid comparisons. Comparing ourselves to others leads to discontentment. Look at the second part of uh, verse uh, 11 there. Look at what he says there. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And that comes by not comparing myself to other people and other situations that people are experiencing in their life. Now, isn't it true there will always be people who make more money than you? There will always be people who have more opportunities than you do. There will always be people who seemingly have it more together than you do. There are seemingly all these, all these opportunities and all these people and everything else happening in our lives. So what? That has no bearing, or should have no bearing, upon my personal contentment and joy and happiness. 
Now, the Apostle Paul continues, and this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, but it goes together with what we're talking about here. This is still the Apostle Paul. And I want you to listen to what that passage of Scripture says. He says, We don't look around at what we see right now, the troubles all around us, but we look forward to the joys in heaven. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys that will come will last forever. Paul says, I don't look around. I don't look around and find myself in these various circumstances. I don't look at the circumstances, but I look up because I know eventually that my reward is going to be in heaven one of these days. Sometimes people say, circumstances are getting me down. I'm underneath the circumstances. I, well, I want to say, when are we going to get it on top of the circumstances? Are you with me, church? When are we going to get it on top of the circumstances, not underneath the circumstances? Paul said, despite what's happening around me, despite the circumstances, I have learned to be content and happy and joyful in that particular situation. You say, Pastor Ron, that's a big order and that's difficult to do. But I want you to notice again that he said, I've learned this. I have learned this. It's not something that uh, just came to me all of a sudden. I've learned this. Now, I think that there are three misconceptions about happiness, and I want to talk about them very, very briefly right now. Number one, first misconception. I must have what others have in order to be happy. That's just not true. I must have what others have to be happy. That's the myth behind all the fads and fashions and behind um, the commercials. It's just not true. Number two, the second myth. I must be liked by everyone in order to be happy. No, you don't. Did you know that many people waste time trying to get the approval of other people? We waste time. We should live for an audience of one, and that's God. Did you know that if you do anything in life, if you exercise any kind of leadership in your home, in your community, at your workplace, in the church, that not everybody will like what you do. Did you know that? Did you know that? If, if we live for the approval of everybody, we would absolutely pull our hair out and we would go crazy. You cannot live for the approval of everybody. We live for an audience of one, and that's God. And that's the most important person in our corner that we live for. This, the third misconception about happiness is that having more will make me more happy. Having more will make me more happy. And remember the famous billionaire a number of years ago, Howard Hughes, he was asked that question, and we're all familiar with that. They said, how much more will it take you to make you happy? And Howard Hughes said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, notice, it says, godliness with contentment is what? It's great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we should be content with that. All the possessions that we have in life are temporary. I've done a lot of funeral services over the years. I've been a pastor for 30 plus years. In one particular church, I did 150 funeral services in four years. I was a friend, um, a funeral home director was a friend of mine. And whenever a family came in and they didn't have a particular pastor, he would call me up and he would say, hey, could you do this 
funeral service for this family. And that's why I did so many funeral services. And just like you've heard over the years, and just like I've expressed on a number of different occasions, I have never, in all the time I've done a funeral service, I have never ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer behind it. Because you cannot take your possessions with you. Having more will make me more happy? Absolutely not. All possessions are temporary. So the root problem is often comparing myself with others. Number two, let's go on here. I think the Apostle Paul teaches in this particular passage of Scripture, learn to adjust to change. We're talking about contentment. Learn to adjust to change. Life is full of ups and life is full of downs. Emotionally, physically, mentally, and financially. Think about all the changes that you went through from the time that you were a toddler until you entered school age, until you became a teenager, until you graduated from high school, until you went on and got married as a young adult, until you had your children, until your children left the home, until you worked all your life and then you finally retired and you're on the other side of retirement. Think about all the changes that you've experienced in your life. And yet some people are so rigid when it comes to change, they fight change, they resist change, they're like a steel post someplace with no bend in it whatsoever. And yet really the better way to be is like a willow tree, a little sapling, a willow tree that's blown here and there that's able to bend in the wind. Because we face all kinds of changes, we have to learn to adjust to change. How well do we handle change? Do you get frightened by it? Do you get moody by it? Moody, angry, uptight? Paul says one of the secrets of learning to be content in life is the ability to adjust to the, all kinds of circumstances and changes. And Paul says we better learn to adjust to it. Because our, our happiness will be largely dependent upon adaptability and adjustment and flexibility. Look specifically at what he says in verse 12 with me. He says... I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Whether or not I have a mansion or a shack, whether or not I have steak and lobster or beans and potatoes, whether or not I have a job that I absolutely love or whether or not I hate my job every day I go to work. Paul says, in good times and bad times, I have learned the secret of contentment. Another translation says, I have, I have learned to be independent, independent of the circumstances. And that's the secret of life of this contentment. You don't get your joys or happiness out of things or people or possessions or pleasures or profits or popularity or prestige. Now, I'll remind you, when the Apostle Paul was writing this, he's lonely, he's up in years, he's in prison, he's been falsely accused, and he's waiting to be executed. I avoid comparisons. I adjust to change. I'm flexible. He says, no matter what, I'm not going to be a victim and blame other people on my circumstances. 
Did you know that there are three kinds of circumstances in, in our lives? Three kinds of circumstances in our life. Number one, those I can control and I do. Those I can control and I do. I can pick up the television remote control and I can change the channels. I can feed myself those circumstances that I can control and I do. Number two, those circumstances that I can control and I, and I don't. Contentment is not laziness. It's not complacency. If you can change a situation, you don't need contentment. You need to get up and do something about it. And number three, those I cannot control. And there are many in life. I can't control the past. Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. I can't control the weather. I can't control a person against his or her will. Did you know that there are so many things beyond our control? Sometimes, this is where we need to learn to relax, so to speak. Trust God, adjust, and avoid comparing ourselves. Sometimes we just have to learn to not only adjust to the circumstances, but to people when they don't change. Romans 12, verse 18, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And you guys, the, the key to adjusting, you know, in life through all these various changes that we go through is really one of the keys is having a good sense of humor, you know, and this laughing. You know, no, you guys understand what I'm saying? Nobody likes change except for a baby with a wet diaper. Um, you remember the missionary from Sweden. He was from Sweden and he went to India and spent most of his, his career in India. And he came back to view deputation in Sweden. And one person after the service got, got on him and said, man, I, what are you doing going to India? I don't understand it. it, it's, it's, it you just burn up. It's got to be 120 degrees in the shade. How can you stand it? And this old Swedish missionary said, well, we don't have to stand around in the shade all day, do we? People are often learn contentment and stable life who just laugh a lot. Problems and difficulties. Rather than being devastated by the problems, they somehow find something funny at all, even sometimes in, in what others would say was tragedy. I, I think the third thing that Apostle Paul talks about contentment here is, is that we have to we have to learn to draw on Christ's power. We have to learn to draw on Jesus Christ's power. Instead of depending upon my own effort through all of my own strength, pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, my own energy, I have to learn to depend upon Christ's power. Look at verse 13 with me, the, the passage of Scripture that has meant so much for, to you, that has meant so much to me, that our, at our men's retreat that Pastor Ron Kratzer labored on over and over again. Verse 13, look at it with me. I can do what? I can do everything through Him, speaking about Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Everything through Him, which gives me strength. You can handle it when you've got little kids at home and they're tearing the place apart. You can handle it when you have teenagers in your home and they're out doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing and they get caught 
drinking. Some of you have gone through that. You can handle it when your grown adult child calls you up and says, Mom and Dad, we're separating. And there's a possibility of getting a divorce. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Or when you get that phone call and your folks, they're on their, they're dying. I can do all things. Right? Can't we? We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. All things. Learn to draw on Christ's power. Another translation says, There is nothing I cannot master with the help of the one who gives me strength. He's talking about also control. What do you need control over? Your temper? That that temptation in your life? Your weight? A bad habit? Our mouth? Paul says, I can master anything with the help of Christ who gives me strength. The Amplified Version says, I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses me with inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now, have you got a big problem that you're facing? Paul says, I'm ready for anything. I'm confident. Satisfaction not only comes from contentment, it also comes from confidence. Confidence in Christ's power. In fact, the Greek word for strength in this particular passage in verse 13 is the word which we get the word dynamite or dynamo did you know a dynamo is something that gives you continual energy Paul is saying Jesus Christ is the dynamo of my life he gives me continuous energy I don't run out I'm confident and capable because of Christ's power he infuses my inner strength with his power you remember the Apostle Paul elsewhere in Scripture. He said, three times I asked the Lord to take this thorn away from my flesh. And three times the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Did you know that sufficient is the same word as contentment in Philippians? Contentment is independent of the circumstances. Let's go on here. We're talking about contentment. Number four, learn to trust God to meet our needs. Learn to trust God to meet our needs. I I want you to look at verse 19 with me. Look at it with me. And my God will meet all 
There's that word all. It's, what does all mean? Everything. It's all inclusive. All your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Everything. If you're like me, when you buy an insurance policy, you like to read through it because you want to know what it's cov- what's covered, you know, what, what, what it covers. And so if it covers this, and it covers this, and it covers this, and it covers this, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. He said, all of your basic needs, and I like to say sometimes your wants, all of your basic needs, He's going to provide all of those things. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 31 to 33. Do not worry about tomorrow. Where will my food come from? Where will my drink come from? Where will my clothes come from? Your Heavenly Father knows the need. you need all these things. And Sid, be concerned about everything else with God's kingdom. And He will provide all of these other things. In other words, when you put God first, He'll add all of these other things. Another translation says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And there's that word all again. All of these things. Everything put in first. I, I, I ran across this this last week. There once was a uh, Shakespearean actor, this is years and years ago, and this Shakespearean actor was known far and wide for his one-man shows and the way he uh, recited the classics. And, And he would always end his performance, wherever he was at, with a dramatic reading of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And and each night, without exception, this actor would recite the 23rd Psalm, the last thing he did. And typically, the audience who would listen to him, they would uh, give him a, a, a round of applause and an appreciation of this actor's incredible ability to bring the verse to life. But this one particular night, after his... Uh, right before his customary recital of Psalm 23, there was a young man in the audience that spoke up. And he said, Sir, do you mind if tonight I recite the 23rd Psalm to you, to the, to the people here? Do you mind if I do it? And this actor was taken aback, you know, by this unusual request, but, but he allowed this young man to come forward and, uh, and to stand front and center in the stage to recite the 23rd Psalm, knowing that the ability of this unskilled youth would be no match for his own talent. And with a soft voice, this young man began to recite the words of the psalm. When he finished, there was no applause. There was no standing ovation as on other nights. All that could be heard was a sound of weeping and quiet sobs. The audience had been so moved by this young man's reciting that every single eye was full of tears. Amazed by what he heard, the actor said to the youth, I don't understand. I have been performing 
the 23rd Psalm for years. I have a lifetime of experience, a lifetime of training, but I have never been able to move an audience to tears like you just did. What is your secret? And this young man humbly replied, Well, sir, you know the psalm, but I know the shepherd. I know the shepherd. I want to talk to you. And I want to tell you, I believe that most of you know the shepherd. What is it, truly, that's got you discontented? What is it that has stolen your joy? Don't you know the shepherd? Hasn't he taken care of you in your past? Don't you think that he will take care of you in the present? Whatever the circumstances and in the future. Let's pray together.